Chapter Fifty Five of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. April's Lady by Margaret Wolf Hungerford. Chapter Fifty Five great discontents there are and many murmurs there is a kind of mournful eloquence in thy dumb grief lady baltimore too had been very pleased by the news when felix told her next morning of his good luck in all her own great unhappiness she had still a kindly word and thought for her cousin and his fiancee one of the nicest girls she says pressing his hands warmly i often think indeed the nicest girl i know you are fortunate felix but very kindly she is fortunate too oh no the luck is all on my side says he it will be a blow to norman she says presently i think not with an irrepressible touch of scorn there is Miss Malpiant. You mean that he can decline upon her? Of course, I quite understand that you do not like him, says she with a quick sigh. But believe me, any heart he has was really given to Joyce. Well, he must devote himself to ambition now. Miss Malpiant can help him to that. No, no, that is all knocked on the head. It appears this is in strictest confidence felix but it appears he asked her to marry him last evening and she refused felix turns to her as if to give utterance to some vehement words and then checks himself after all why add to her unhappiness why tell her of that cur's baseness her own brother too it would be but another grief to her to think he should have gone from her to Miss Maliphant. What a pitiful creature, beneath contempt! Well, if his pride survives those two downfalls, both in one day, it must be made of leather. It does Felix good to think of how Miss Maliphant must have worded her refusal. She is not famous for grace of speech. He must have had a real bad time of it. Of course, Joyce had told him of her interview with the sturdy heiress. Ah, she refused, says he, hardly knowing what to say. Yes, and not very graciously, I'm afraid. He gave me the mere fact of the refusal, no more, and only that because he had to give a reason for his ab abrupt departure. You know he is going this evening no i did not know it of course under the circumstances yes he could hardly stay here margaret came to me and said she would go but i would not allow that after all every woman has a right to refuse or accept as she will true his heart gives an exultant leap as he remembers how his love had willed I only wish she had not hurt him in the refusal, 
but I could see he was wounded. He was not in his usual careless spirits. He struck me as being a little, well, you know, a little, she hesitates. Out of temper? suggests Felix involuntarily. Well, yes. Disappointment takes that course with some people. After all, it might have been worse if she had set his heart on Joyce and been refused. Much worse, says Felix, his eyes on the ground. She would have been a severe loss. Severe indeed. By this time Felix is beginning to feel like an advanced hypocrite. As for Margaret Maliphant, I'm afraid he was more concerned about the loss of her bonds and scripts than of herself. It is a terrible world, Felix, when all is told, says she, suddenly crossing her beautiful long white hands over her knees and leaning toward him. There is a touch of misery so sharp in her voice that he starts as he looks at her. It is a momentary fit of emotion, however, and passes before he dare comment on it. With a heart nigh to breaking, she still retains her composure and talks calmly to Felix, and lets him talk to her, as though the fact that she is soon to lose forever the man who once had gained her heart, that fatal once that means for always, in spite of everything that has come and gone is as little or nothing to her seeing her sitting there strangely pale indeed but so collected it would be impossible to guess at the tempest of passion and grief and terror that reigns within her breast women are not so strong to bear as men and therefore in the world's storms suffer most it is a lovely world says he smiling thinking of Joyce, and then, remembering her sad lot, his smile fades. One might make, perhaps, a bad world better, he says, stammering. Ah, teach me how, says she, with a melancholy glance. There is such a thing as forgiveness. Forgive him, blurts he out in a frightened sort of way. He is horrified at himself, at his own a second later and rises to his feet as if to meet the indignation he has certainly courted but to his surprise no such indignation betrays itself is that your advice says she still with those thin white hands clasped over the knee and the earnest gaze on him well 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 her eyes droop she seems to be thinking, and he, gazing at her, refrains from speech with his heart sad with pity. Presently she lifts her head and looks at him. There, go back to your love, she says, with a glance that thrills him. Tell her from me that if you had the whole world to choose from, I shall still select her as your wife. I like her. I love her. There go. She seems to grow all at once very tired. Are those tears that are rising in her eyes? She holds out to him her hand. Felix, taking it, holds it closely for a moment, and presently, as if moved to do it, 
he stoops and presses a warm kiss upon it she is so unhappy and so kind and so true god deliver her out of her sorrow end of chapter 55 recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc